Classic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you this morning. Praise God. How is your morning going so far? Are you ready for Christmas? I mean, uh, can you believe it? Christmas starts in just a couple of days from now. It seems it seems like the year, I was going to say uh, flew by, but that is definitely not true. It is quite the opposite. This year has dragged on so far. We're so ready for it to be over with. But to be honest, I'm not sure 2021 is going to uh, bring us the uh, bright sunshine, blue skies, and and fuzzy bunnies that we hoped for. I think instead we'll have opportunity to grow in grace, to grow in virtue and perseverance. And uh, we had a bit of a, a sad news come to us yesterday. A good friend, a colleague, a family member of the Guadalupe Radio Network passed away. I would ask you for your, uh, your prayers for the repose of his soul, Armando Sanchez. I would ask you to pray for his family, that they be consoled with grace and peace in this difficult time, especially uh, during the holy season of Christmas. Pray for the family. Uh, Armando's family is going to be going through it, and uh, I'm very grateful to you. But pray for all of us here at the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are appreciative of your prayers. On the program today, it's a good, uh, going to have a good show today. Uh, now, Emily Alcarez is away on vacation back in Chicago, but sitting in the volunteer seat is Leah Morrow. Good morning, Leah. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Now, you're from, you, you live into the Chicago area anyway? I currently live near South Bend, Indiana. South Bend, Indiana. So, uh, is it IU or Purdue that you that you root for? I'm just just curious. Just curious. <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know. I'm You're not a Notre a, Dame fan, a, are you? A, yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit. Come maybe on. Icky, <laughs> more, more of the the Baron Franciscan fan. <laughs> uh, we don't even have a football team. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely Notre Dame. Yeah. Well, uh, we sent Emily to Chicago, and uh, Leo came from Chicago. I'm noticing a connection here back to a windy city. But thanks for being on the program today and uh, filling in as a volunteer. Going to have the breaking news and stories here with Leah in just a moment, and of course. Uh, Adrian Fonseca on the ones and twos. Absolutely. Good morning. How are you doing? Praise be to Jesus. I'm alive and that counts. Uh, But on today's show, now here's the cool thing. Uh, Did you ever hear the argument that December 25th, the birthday of Christ is an invention of the church to, to sort of Christianize a pagan holiday? Have you ever heard that argument? Yeah, we had it. Uh, I was actually listening to the Daily Wire yesterday, and one of the uh, people on the Daily Wire, he was making the argument that the Catholics uh, invented it from pagans, and I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a very common argument. I've very heard it many common. times. Very common. Unfortunately. But today, we're going to dispel that myth. We're actually going to give a defense of December 25th as the traditional birthday of Jesus Christ, the actual day in which he was born. Could it be possible that we we would know that level of detail and information. Well, our guest this hour is going to be John Sorensen from Catholic Answers, who wrote a great uh, article in defense of the traditional date. So we'll be discussing that with him coming up in, I don't know, 35 minutes from now or 30 minutes roughly from now on the program. So that's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have the breaking news, the headlines. We'll also have Saint of the Day, the Gospel of the Day, and the What's Concerning Us section, too. I've got several stories here that I want to dive into. I mean, you know it's a 2020 year when Donald Trump, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and AOC all agree 
Okay, that's Bizarro World. Uh, and that's what we're facing this morning with the headlines in this uh, new stimulus package that they are fighting about on Capitol Hill. We'll discuss a little bit about that. But there's a bigger story that I want to address that I'm sure you haven't heard anywhere else. Uh, Father Zulsdorf's blog has uh, brought it to us along with LifeSite News. And that is the concerning issue over the high altar and St. Peter's Basilica being abandoned? Oh. Hmm. We'll discuss that a little bit on the program, too. And if you can join us in the next hour, we'll not only have the Fear and Trembling Game Show, but also Ryan Grant from Mediatrics Press is going to be on to talk about his work to translate some of the most incredible works in the patrimony of the church. Uh, St. Robert Bellarmine, for instance, is now available in English because of the work of Ryan Grant and others. So we'll be discussing that all today on Catholic Drive Time. Let's begin with prayer. Bring your intentions with you and let's join together whatever is on your heart, whatever your needs are, whatever you're facing materially, financially, spiritually, whatever challenges you're going to be uh, up against this Christmas season. Uh, I'm praying for Armando, the repose of his soul and for his family and for their consolation for our team, for our equipment and our radio apostolate. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Leah Morrow. President Donald Trump on Tuesday demanded that Congress amend the coronavirus rescue package and government funding bill before sending it to his desk. The massive bill was passed by both the House and the Senate on Monday night, but immediately drew criticism for only sending $600 of direct aid to each American. Trump criticized the bill for extending relief payments to family members of illegal aliens, getting up to $1,800 each. The president also lamented that the bill failed to provide substantial aid to restaurants and small businesses. He has asked Congress to amend the bill and increase the $600 to $2,000 or $4,000 for a couple. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi endorsed the president's demand to increase the coronavirus relief checks, saying Democrats are ready to bring it to the floor and saying on Twitter, quote, let's do it. More than a quarter of respondents to a British poll said they would not be seeing relatives this Christmas, while 41% were worried about loved ones becoming isolated during the holiday season. The poll, conducted for the British Psychological Society, was taken before Prime Minister Boris Johnson declared a regional Tier 4 lockdown. The Tier 4 lockdown rules include a stay-at-home order and require that non-essential shops, hairdressers, and leisure and entertainment venues must close. Households are not allowed to mix, and across the rest of the country, people must stay local. The chairman of the British Psychological Society remarked that the poll figures would be even higher after the Prime Minister's decision. A priest of the Society of St. Pius X has successfully sued California Governor Gavin Newsom to enable masses to continue at his parishes. The landmark decision was decided on the Supreme Court precedent of Brooklyn Diocese v. Cuomo, which prevented the governor from enforcing an executive order which limited occupancy in churches to 25 people. The ruling noted that Newsom had, quote, not convincingly established that the health risks associated with houses of worship would be any different than essential businesses or critical infrastructure, end quote. 
Judge Gregory Pulskamp issued the order on December 10th, prohibiting Newsom and the others named in the lawsuit from enforcing COVID-19-related restrictions against Father Trevor Burfitt. St. John Canty, pray for us. Otherwise known as St. John Cantius, he was born June 23rd, 1390 in Poland. Uh, a brilliant young man uh, from the countryside, a country lad, as the biography that I'm reading now says, which I think is kind of funny. Uh, but uh, because of his uh, sharp intelligence, and uh, he was able to go to university, get higher degrees. He was uh, very astute in scripture and theology. He became a priest, obviously, and was assigned to a parish, but he was he was afraid of the task. He was frightened and terrified of the responsibility of being a parish priest, and I think it kind of annoyed his parishioners, and they wanted more from him. And eventually, he was able to deliver. He did win their hearts. Uh, he was sort of forced out of university by rivals as well, because, again, he's very brilliant, he's very uh, intelligent, but he's also very humble, very pious, given over to helping the poor almost to a fault. He slept little, he didn't eat a lot, he walked everywhere. I, th- I can't remember how many times he made these long pilgrimage journeys, either to Rome or even to the Holy Land, but he did so on foot, and he had hoped that he would one day become a martyr at the hands of the Muslims, the Turks, um, which obviously didn't happen, but he would make these pilgrimage journeys knowing that it could mean his life, and he did so uh, willfully and gratefully. Now, uh, he... He lived so long in in such pious ways that he grew people grew concerned about his health, but he never worried. He never he never thought he needed anything other than the presence of God in his life and God's will for his life. He, he depended on God for everything, and I think that alone is a good takeaway from the life of Saint John Cantius. But um, for years after his death, he died December twenty fourth, fourteen seventy three. People wore his doctrinal his doctoral gowns, his graduate gowns, uh, at their own graduations for years after at the University of Krakow out of uh, out of reverence for this man and his life that he left to us. So St. John Cantius, pray for us. And the gospel today comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 57 through 66. When the time arrived for Elizabeth to have her child, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy toward her, and they rejoiced with her. When they came on the eighth day to circumcise the child, they were going to call him Zechariah after his father, but his mother said in reply, No, he will be called John. But they answered her, There is no one among your relatives who has this name. So they made signs asking his father what he wished him to be called. He asked for a tablet and wrote, John is his name. And all were amazed. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue freed, and he spoke blessing God. Then fear came upon all their neighbors, and all these matters were discussed throughout the hill country of Judea. All who heard these things took them to heart, saying, What then will this child be? For surely the hand of the Lord was with him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. I love this uh, particular uh, 
this is a matchup going on here. Zachariah versus Our Lady. This is the conclusion of that matchup in many ways. You might recall at the beginning of Luke's Gospel, Zachariah was serving in the temple. He is a part of the company of Abijah, and it was his time in the temple, and he was offering the incense. And he saw this angel appear before him in Luke chapter 1. And he immediately was afraid of the presence of the angel. It frightened him. I mean, I probably would be the same way. And that is one of the the telltale signs of the greatness of Our Lady in contrast to the shepherds uh, who are out in their fields and they see the angels and are afraid. Daniel the prophet sees an angel and bows down and onto his face and the angel's like, get up, good grief, man. I am not God. Uh, paraphrase, it's all mine. And then, of course, uh, the Apostle John himself in the book of Revelation does the same thing, sees an angel, gets on his face, and, and he has to go through the same humiliating opportunity there. So, we see all of of these these occasions in scripture where we reach we, we encounter an angel and fear is involved well one because i mean the supernatural uh, tends to to frighten us a little bit but two these angels are messengers from before the very face of god and if god is a consuming fire you can imagine the resplendent vision that they would have received and how overwhelming to the senses that would have been and so here is zechariah seemingly all alone in the temple offering uh the sacrifice the incense, and then this angel appears to him, and he's afraid. And because he doubts, he is, he is struck dumb by the angel. I mean, it's, it's when you go back and read that, just ponder on those words of how when Zechariah doubts the words of the angel that they, his wife would bear a child, they would call him John, and this would be an incredible man that would make straight the way and, and prepare for the coming Messiah. He doubts how this would happen, and the angel's like, are you out of your mind? I'm Gabriel. I come from before the face of God. Uh, you're going to be dumb for the, uh, until this child is born. I mean, it's like, it's like a smackdown going on there, and it's, it's, it's impressive. Unlike Our Lady, when she is approached by the very same angel, Gabriel, she is not at all afraid of the presence of the angel. It is not the presence of the angel that gives her pause. It is what the angel says that gives her pause. It is a clear distinction. And this is part of the reason why when Mary visits her cousin Elizabeth in the hill country, she uh, greets Elizabeth rather than Zachariah. So there's a head-to-head going on here. And here in this particular passage, Zachariah, is t- his tongue is freed because finally he has, uh, he has stopped doubting the Lord. He has stopped doubting this, this will of God to prepare the earth for the incarnation and to prepare and make way uh, the ways straight for the coming of the Lord. And so his tongue is loosed and he's able to proclaim blessings to God. And he should have done that in the temple, but you know, nine months later, I guess it's uh, better late than never. Uh, what do you got over there, Adrian? Right. So the uh, I wanted to talk about how the fact that uh, the name, I mean, of St. John, uh, I think that's really important and something that's often overlooked. See, whenever he's named at this time, all the family's super confused. They're like, why are you giving him the name <laughs> yeah. John? That's kind of that's kind of weird. That's not your your husband's name. That's not the name of anyone in your family. What's up with that? And it's interesting because St. Ambrose notes that it says his name is and not his name will be. Mm. Uh, the difference being there that, uh, that our St. Elizabeth and Zachariah are not naming him. They're recognizing the name that was already given him yeah. by God. Yeah. And so he was named from in the womb. He already had a name and that name was John and they were not naming him. They were recognizing the name that was already delivered by our Lord.
Yeah, in fact, the angel Gabriel tells Zechariah what to name the child there in uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 12. Uh, you will call him John. You know, and uh, again, because of his doubt, he goes dumb for nine months. I mean, uh, boy, that should be a lesson. When the Lord speaks, don't act confused. Don't question. Just say yes. Give your fiat, just like Our Lady. Hey, the What's Concerning Us section is coming up next. Plus, we're defending Christmas in this hour. Stick around. More to come. Catholic Drive Time. Be right back. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child and wondering what Santa would bring? In many developing countries like Haiti, most children don't make Christmas lists and they don't expect Christmas gifts. Often, every penny their parents earn must go to their basic needs like food, shelter, and water. Now picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift. You can spark that magical moment by sending them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. We have got some good news. The new version of the Guadalupe Radio Network app is out now. The new version offers big improvements with even more on the way. You'll be able to find and listen to your station no matter where you are and switch between our English and Spanish stations with ease. Missed your favorite GRN show? You can find all past episodes as podcasts on the app. To download or update the app, search your app store for the Guadalupe Radio Network. The Daily Mass is moving to the afternoon. Holy Mass has been a beloved component of our programming lineup for 20 years in the early morning time slot on the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are excited to announce that the 3 p.m. hour will become a holy hour, starting with the Divine Mercy Chaplet, followed by sacred music or spiritual reflections, and concluding with the Holy Mass at 3.30. The Holy Mass on the Guadalupe Radio Network, every weekday at 3.30 p.m. Coming up in, uh, I guess it's a little less than 15 minutes from now. Yeah, John, 13 minutes. 13 and change. John Sorensen is going to be on with us. He's from Catholic Answers Live. I think he works in their back office. But he wrote a great article on uh, defending the traditional date of Christmas, December the 25th. I know I've heard it. You know, oh, the church invented that date in order to uh, Christianize a pagan holiday. Uh, is that true? Uh, I don't think so. I think there is a reasonable, uh, a very good reason to believe that December 25th is the actual day on which Christ was born, and that is why we celebrate it on that day. So we'll be discussing that later with uh, John Sorensen. Next hour, if you can join us in the next hour, we'll have the game show. It's always a lot of fun, and you always learn something about your faith, right? So uh, prizes are involved. It's a good time. And uh, we'll also speak with Ryan Grant from Mediatrics Press. He's been translating the works of uh, St. Robert Bellarmine and others and um, fantastic. D did you know St. Robert Bellarmine is like the foremost expert on the Antichrist? And you can read his book on the Antichrist now because of the work of, of uh, people like Ryan Grant. So we'll be discussing that in the next hour. So much more to come on Catholic Drive Time. But uh, in this What's Concerning Us section, there's a couple of stories that I want to bring up and uh, chat about uh, before we go back to uh, breaking news and stories in just a little bit. Of course, uh, this morning we're all waking up to uh, President Donald Trump demanding that Congress uh, send back or revise the bill before they send it to him, this uh, relief package, this coronavirus relief package, 
he's threatening to veto it essentially because yesterday we learned that Americans are going to get a 600 or at least some Americans, not all Americans are getting that check by the way, but at least some Americans will get a $600 check. And then we learned that literally hundreds of millions of dollars were going to go to many foreign uh, organizations and efforts all over the globe to include gender studies in Pakistan. $10 million to go to gender studies in Pakistan. Is there even gender studies in Pakistan? That seems like something Pakistan would not be uh, in favor of. Uh, maybe the money's trying to start start it. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> disturbing at the very least. I mean, if we're, if we're crushing small business, if we're crushing the middle class uh, during this uh, pandemic time, then why are we sending a, a single taxpayer cent overseas? It seems to me that enough of this pork barrel spending uh, stuff, just if we're going to go into debt, right? I mean, l- think about the debt alone. There's no possibility our great-great-grandkids are going to be able to pay this thing off. It, it seems so nebulous to me. There's so, we're talking about a number so so massive that could it ever be possible to get back to debt-free? I don't think so. I don't think it's possible. So we're, we're, we're just going in further and further into this monstrous debt. And then we're going to spend a billion dollars of it, sending it overseas to fund who knows what? Why are we doing this? What, what is the point of this? So this is very concerning to us. And I think the, the, the headline that got me the most was when uh, Pelosi and Schumer and AOC all agree with Donald Trump that they sh- we should give $2,000 stimulus checks instead of 600 In fact, according to the Epic Times article on the issue, uh, Nancy Pelosi was just saying, listen, I repeatedly asked the Republicans how much to send, and you wouldn't give me a number. What you never, nobody ever gave me what Donald Trump wanted. It's, it's not about the number. It's about stop giving money to these organizations overseas. If you're going to go into debt, give the relief to the people who need them here in America. Stop funding these other organizations. I just it bugs me to no end. And uh, to me, like not only that, but in addition to having funding for all of these overseas things. The bill failed to provide substantial aid to restaurants and small businesses that are in America that really need help. Exactly. And we continue the draconian lockdowns on small business. But big box stores are open. You're always welcome to shop at Amazon. (laughs) What else do you need? Just stay home. Shop at Amazon. If you've got to go out, Home Depot's open. You can go to Lowe's or or Walmart. But, uh, you know, your local small store, no, forget it. Your mom and pop, they're done. And, uh, and they're struggling mightily in these days. It seems rather insane to me. But at any rate, that's not the other, the other story I wanted to, to bring up. The one that's kind of been bugging me all week. It's, it's the altar story. The altar story. So this one comes out of uh, LifeSite News, reported on this, as well as Father Zulsdorf's blog. And uh, I'll link to the stories that we talk about on our live video feed over on Facebook.com forward slash GRN. Uh, you can find us there. But the Father Zulsdorf story is interesting because it basically goes like this. Back in October, when they were wrapping up and concluding the, uh, the Amazon Synod, we all remember, we, I talked about it extensively on the show, but we all remember... Uh, that scene in the garden where they were planting a tree and they had the pea idol there and everybody was bowing down and His Holiness Pope Francis was sitting on a chair and I gotta, I gotta imagine, I gotta imagine he was like, wait, uh, um, what? What are we doing here? What, what is all of this? Like, he had a prepared speech that day. He never read his prepared speech. In fact, when they concluded, they brought this, this bowl of, of plants and flowers of 
of such that was offered to the pea idol, and they brought it over to him to bless. I think he blessed it. He said the Our Father, then he left abruptly. I think he was caught off guard, to be honest with you. I, don't, I think not all the details were shared with him about what he was about to en- engage with. At least that's how I, I speculate at any rate. So, But long story short was the very concluding mass uh, for the Amazon Senate, this particular bowl was brought up and placed on the altar of the high altar that sits above the relics of St. Peter at the Basilica in Rome. So, what happened was there was a professor in Rome who had noticed that ever since this happened back in October 2019, there's not, not been a single mass said on that altar since this happened, that the altar has been empty, you know, or uh, symbolically empty. Ever since, and the masses that have been said have been said on the altar of the chair of St. Peter, which is behind uh, the high altar. So, if you've ever gone to Rome, you'll know it. This is the altar that sort of everything, you know, comes to this point, this high altar. And it, again, it's right above the relics of St. Peter. So, it's a fascinating story, and it just reminded me listening to this story. I, I mean, I don't know, I don't know the details of why nobody has said mass there could be maybe there's a good reason nobody said mass on that altar since then i don't know it's above my pay grade but i i found it interesting because i immediately thought of the story of lewis and clark and i thought of uh how they made this incredible journey uh encountered so many native american populations along their along the way and um they created some good relationships uh, they only had a few skirmishes and uh, they ended up killing one uh, native person uh in their journey but did you know that uh, lewis committed suicide at the end of his life you know one of the reasons why lewis and clark were successful is because in every single situation where they found themselves uh, living amongst the native peoples they participated willfully in their pagan practices and I thought of that, and I thought of how depressing it was to hear that Lewis had committed suicide at the end of his life. I also thought about the golden calf situation in Exodus 32, and how the people of God turned their backs back towards the paganism of Egypt and uh, worshipped the golden calf. And I thought, these are dangerous things. Dangerous things that we ought not to play with. Dangerous things that we ought not to participate with. And I also thought about uh, like uh, exorcists like Father Ripperger and, and uh, Gabriel Morth and the stories that they've shared of the countless times of how uh, material objects have been used in many uh, ways in the occult practice and uh, demonic infestation. And, uh, and they've had many people that they've helped to free from these types of situations only to discover that it was an object, a material thing like a pen or, or some sort of object an amulet or whatever that they had been given, received, or somehow had possession of that gave permission to these demons to be there and harass them. You no, know, I was thinking this similar thing, actually. Whenever I was thinking, like, for instance, you have these, uh, these occult practices around Our Lady Guadalupe that these people try to start subverting Our Lady, and they have what they call Santa Muerte, yes. which is uh, this saint death or or uh, saintly death or something like that, depending on how you translate it. Yeah. And what they would do often is they would put a snake, which comes from these Aztec pagan practices. Yes. They put a snake behind the statue of Our Lady Guadalupe uh, and things like that in so yeah. order to like symbolize, hey, we're, we're part of this cult of, of Santa Muerte. Yes. And so the same thing it seems to be happening on a larger scale. Uh, and this always uh, comes with uh, these evil practices, these pagan practices, trying to blend it with some kind of synchronicity idea of religion and try it and it makes it, it distorts the true religion and it, and it leads people to hell 
Now, it's interesting uh, you bring that up because uh, we were talking about Our Lady Guadalupe back in uh, a couple week, a week before last during her feast day oh, with Juan Diego. And you might recall when Hernan Cortez made it to the top of the, the temple there in Mexico City and he uh, demanded that he was able to see the idols. Uh, they were so disgusted by the smell of the place because uh, the, the flesh and the blood that was dripped all over the walls from the literally hundreds of thousands of human sacrifices. The idols were a snake idol. The, the mm-hmm. main idol was a snake idol, and uh, and it was just disgusting. And he had it destroyed, and it became. He realized in his process of conquering Mexico City that he was not fighting Montezuma. Montez, you know, that was not his enemy. His enemy was the devil himself, and he did, was determined to rid these people from this uh, demonic overlordship. And, uh, and again, it just, it, in fact, it, he would refuse to allow human sacrifices in his presence, and he fought it uh, everywhere he could. Um, so we realize that this is a battle, as St. Paul would say, it's a battle not of, of flesh and blood. It is a battle of principalities and powers. We are fighting in a spiritual combat. And that's why I, I, I see this story. And again, I don't know why uh, St. Peter's High uh, altar is now not being used and hasn't been used since October of last year. I have no idea. Um, but my, my advice, if anybody would want my advice, and nobody does, but if they did, I would say, do not play in any way, shape, or form in the occult. Don't, don't read horoscopes. Don't, don't play with crystals. Don't mm-hmm. go to palm readers. Don't do anything whatsoever. And if, if Don't dialogue with the devil. Don't dialogue with the devil. And if someone has offered a potted plant to a, to a pea idol, don't take that either. And one, one Play it thing, safe. Right, yeah. One, one thing that concerns me about this story, um, this, this LifeSite News article says that um, Pope Francis, while we don't know the reason for the emptiness again, he did acknowledge it and he commented um, that, you know, it was a kind of perceptible hole in the middle of the basilica. And yeah. so he, he knows, you know, we, we don't know why, but he, he has, has the, acknowledged that there's a hole. And As the Pope, he has the power to exercise the altar again. Right. Um, so let's go holiness let's go Uh, exercise away let's bring back the high altar let's bring back the supernatural faith to the faithful let's bring back uh, Christmas midnight mass how about that Mm, I'm just saying I'm just saying All right, we're going to go to a break we're going to come back more breaking news and stories uh, with Leah Morrow today and then of course we're going to be speaking with John Sorensen from Catholic Answers to talk about the defense of December the 25th as the actual birth date of Christ not just some made up thing years ago more of that coming up next don't go The Immaculate Conception is a Catholic dogma that many Protestants have a hard time accepting. They claim it shouldn't be believed because it's not found in the Bible. But I beg to differ. Recall how after the fall in Genesis 3.15, God promised to set enmity between the woman and Satan, between the woman's seed, the Messiah, and Satan's seed. This separation from Satan means the woman's not tainted by sin in any way. Moreover, woman seems to be a title for Eve in her pre-fall state, as is the case in Genesis 2.23. She isn't called Eve until after the fall in Genesis 3.20. So who's this new woman? It's the mother of the Messiah, Mary. So just like the first woman was created without original sin, so to the new woman, Mary, was created without original sin. That's to say, immaculately conceived. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com.
Years ago, when I started acting, modeling, and singing in Mexico, my Catholic faith was not the center of my life. It took me many years to discover that success, fame, money, and all the pleasures of the world were not going to fulfill me. I got to a point in my life where I thought I had everything, but I realized something was missing. Thankfully, I began a faith journey that brought me back to God and the home to the Catholic Church. You can too. Discover more at CatholicsComeHome.com. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back. Got a drive time keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's good to be on with you today. Coming up here in just a couple of minutes, we're going to have John Sorensen from Catholic Answers on to talk about the actual birth date of Christ. I want you to stick around for that. It's going to be a good conversation. If you need the uh, podcast version of our show, I encourage you to check that out at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Great place to get the podcast version. And we're posting separate hours as videos on YouTube as well. And uh, in addition to individual interviews, that's all going up to uh, youtube.com forward slash grnonline. But now, more breaking news and stories with Leah Morrow. President Donald Trump on Tuesday demanded that Congress amend the coronavirus rescue package and government funding bill before sending it to his desk. The massive bill was passed by both the House and the Senate on Monday night, but immediately drew criticism for only sending $600 of direct aid to each American. Trump criticized the bill for extending relief payments to family members of illegal aliens, getting up to $1,800 each. The president also lamented that the bill failed to provide substantial aid to restaurants and small businesses. He has asked Congress to amend the bill and increase the $600 to $2,000 or $4,000 for a couple. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi endorsed the president's demand to increase the coronavirus relief checks, saying Democrats are ready to bring it to the floor, and saying on Twitter, quote, let's do it. More than a quarter of respondents to a British poll say they would not be seeing relatives this Christmas, while 41% were worried about loved ones becoming isolated during the holiday season. The poll, conducted for the British Psychological Society, was taken before Prime Minister Boris Johnson declared a regional Tier 4 lockdown. The Tier 4 lockdown rules include a stay-at-home order and require that non-essential shops, hairdressers, and leisure and entertainment venues must close. Households are not allowed to mix, and across the rest of the country, people must stay local. The chairman of the British Psychological Society remarked that the poll figures would be even higher after the Prime Minister's decision. A priest of the Society of St. Pius X has successfully sued California Governor Gavin Newsom to enable masses to continue at his parishes. The landmark decision was decided on the Supreme Court precedent of Brooklyn Diocese v. Cuomo, which prevented the governor from enforcing an executive order which limited occupancy in churches to 25 people. The ruling noted that Newsom had, quote, not convincingly established that the health risks associated with houses of worship would be any different than essential businesses or critical infrastructure, end quote. Judge Gregory Pulskamp issued the order on December 10th, 
prohibiting Newsom and the others named in the lawsuit from enforcing COVID-19-related restrictions against Father Trevor Burfitt. Those are your Wednesday morning headlines. Back to you, Joe. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Leo. We, we appreciate you volunteering today, filling in for Emily, who's on uh, Christmas break. But to joining us by Zoom chat all the way from, uh, I was going to say sunny California, but I'm pretty sure it's dark out there right now. Uh, John Sorensen from Catholic Answers. Good morning to you. Thanks, brother. How you doing, man? Praise God I'm alive. And that counts. Yeah. Amen. Amen yeah. to that, dude. Yeah, it is. It's like, it's super early here. The sun's not even out yet. I don't even think the, you know, the vampires are still sleeping too. Amen. Well, all the holiest people get up this early. So I'm just saying. Yeah. God is yeah, good. There you go. Uh, real quick before we jump into the story, uh, midnight mass, uh, early morning mass. What's your preference? Good, sir. I'm going to do midnight mass. I've been doing that for a long time. Um, I don't, it's kind of confusing right now though. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get to mass. That's why that news just now about the, uh, the, uh, priest from the SSPX who in the state of California sounded so good. It's like, yes, it did. it's kind of limited where you can go to church unless you want to sit outside. And I know it's California and it's kind of sunny right now, but it can get cold. You know, it can be pretty cold. It's a different kind of cold than, than some other places. It's like this kind of wet Mm. cold here you know because we're so close to the ocean yeah for sure so. well i pray that you'll have an opportunity at a midnight mass there uh we're certainly going to midnight mass uh as a family here in uh in texas and we're very grateful for that opportunity but at any rate let's jump into going why we would go to mass on that day at all to celebrate the birth of christ you've got a a, a blog post that actually dates back to 2013 uh, that w- uh, we would uh, wanted to dive into today. Uh, I've heard this argument several times, you know, in the, over the last couple of decades, that December 25th is an invented date. It's uh, it's an effort of Christians to subvert a pagan holiday and to uh-huh. steal all of their elements and and sort of Christianize it. So, you know, you might think of uh, if you've ever been to Rome, you see the uh, the obelisks there in uh, St. Peter's Basilica, and on top of it is a cross. So we've dominated the pagan culture there. That was sort of the message there, which I I approve of that message, by the way. Um, but is that the case with December the twenty fifth? Could it at all be possible? that December the 25th is the actual birth date of Christ. What say you, so, John Sorensen? I would say that it is possible, um, but ultimately I don't think that that, uh, I don't think that that's necessarily something that we need to prove. It's, it's, it's fine enough to me if that's just the date that we celebrate his birth and Jesus's birth. And we don't, we don't know the actual date. There were, several dates that were bandied about by the early church. And the, you know, my colleague Jimmy Aiken points out that uh, the, the church never deemed any of the other ones heretical or had any issue with it. It was of, you know, it was debated in the church, but, um, but ultimately uh, December 25th won out. Um, and I think, you know, the church was centered in Rome and there's a tradition going all the way back to the, you know, early uh, or late second century, uh, uh, marking 20 the 25th as the date of the birth of jesus so i mean it's it's a long-standing tradition it goes way back what can we say about the the issue over saturnella or sol invictus did we hijack these events so that's an interesting that's an interesting argument you see it a lot on um i i mean that's something that i believed for years and years and i've even heard uh you know catholic priests talk about that from the pulpit and mm-hmm. saying that you know the christians 
that Christians Christianize this pagan celebration. But when you go looking at the actual historical record, you, you find no evidence for that. So as I mentioned before, that that the history of the date going of 25th going way back in time, the earliest uh mentioned we have of that is Hippolytus of Rome and he's writing in about 204 and, and uh, he's he's um, he mentions the 25th as uh, the date for the birth of Jesus mm. now the 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 celebration of Sol Invictus was because uh, the Emperor Aurelian instituted these uh, these games and and these other celebrations that lasted about a week not on December 25th just before it, it actually ended on the 23rd mm-hmm. but he didn't do that until 274, so 70 years after Hippolytus mentions uh, December 25th as the birth date of Christ. Mm-hmm. And also, there is uh, the earliest mention we have of uh, it being celebrated on December 25th by the pagans, that the Sol Invictus celebration is uh, in the, it's called the Chronology of 354. It's a calendar that was written for some rich Roman Christian guy. <laughs> And it survives to this day. We have copies of it. You can see it online. I actually linked to it in the in the article. And uh, Sol Invictus is mentioned there as being uh, celebrated on December 25th, but so is Christmas. So there's no evidence at all that the Christians supplanted this holiday to try and attract people to it. In fact, I, I would argue just the opposite because the pagan religions were dying off and Christianity was rising. So who had more? And also, if you look at the writings of the early church, and they're just utter disdain for anything pagan. Mm. Uh, it's hard to believe that they would have used that as a method to attract people. Yeah, and I also think of uh, the reign of Julian the Apostate. And when he became emperor, he wanted revenge against the Christians uh, because it was Christians who helped to murder his family. Uh, mm-hmm. When Constantine legalized uh, Christianity, brought us out of the catacombs, became our greatest patron. Um, he was seen as the biggest supporter of, of Christianity, and of course, Constantine had uh, Julian's family members killed because they were rivals to the, to the power, the seat of power. So when Julian the Apostate becomes emperor, he goes 180 degrees in the other direction. I want to say I even heard the story of him having himself baptized in bull's blood just to undo his own Christian baptism. And then he wears a habit like a monk, but uh, restores all the pagan practices. He even sets up uh, like sort of 501c3s, if you, if you will, uh, from, pa- uh, from paganism in order to uh, compete with the charitable works of of the Christian community, and then, of course, we see this big push for Sol Invictus during his reign, as a, almost as a way to subvert Christmas instead of the other way around. So maybe exactly. it could be that this is really a pagan attack on Christmas versus a Christmas attack on, on pagan. Well, would it surprise you all that much? Just look at sort of what's going on right now. I mean, I know all kinds of people who, you know, my background is uh, I was an atheist for many years before coming back to the Catholic faith. And so a lot of my friends uh, that I've had for a long time are, you know, they're atheists. They don't believe in God, but they still celebrate Christmas. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, 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 and in a way they try to, you know, they want to celebrate Christmas. They want to, you know, give the gifts and do all the, all that stuff associated with it. Minus the whole reason for celebrating it in the first place. You know, they don't want to talk about Jesus. Yes. Yeah. And of course, um, the lights, you know, Santa Claus versus St. Nick, uh, mm-hmm. gift giving, it's all good, but at the same time, 
it's pushing us in the direction opposite of where we ought to be going. So hold that thought. We're talking with John Sorensen from Catholic Answers about the date of Christmas and its historicity and the real story behind uh, that celebration. We'll have more of that on the other side of this break coming up in just a couple of minutes. More Catholic drive time keeping you informed and inspired. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Among the many arguments relativists give to prove their worldview, one is that moral beliefs change. For example, they might say, we used to believe slavery was okay, but now we don't. If there were moral absolutes, well then moral beliefs wouldn't change. How do we respond? Well, we can ask the relativists if we've morally progressed in changing our country's slavery laws. Assuming they say yes, we can point out the fact that progress implies an objective moral standard that our society better conforms to today than it did 150 plus years ago. But if there's an objective moral standard that we've progressed toward, well then morality is not relative. So the relativist either has to give up on the idea that we've progressed morally in order to keep relativism, or reject relativism to keep the idea of moral progress. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Hey Donnie, who was the first Pope to whom Jesus said, You are the rock upon which I will build my church? St. Peter. And who is the current Pope? Pope Francis. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the app store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's good to be on with you. Don't forget, uh, if you're able to join us in the next hour, we'll have the Catholic Trivia Game Show. It's going to be a lot of fun. Plus, we'll be speaking with Ryan Grant from Mediatrix Press about his work to translate uh, St. Robert Bellarmine in particular. Foremost expert on the uh, Antichrist. Fascinating topic. I highly recommend you check that out. But we're talking with John Sorensen from Catholic Answers right now about the real date of December the 25th. Uh, versus what we might have been told about uh, about the December the twenty fifth, and uh, before we went to break, we were discussing more of the, uh, the the sort of the pagan holidays that we supposedly sur- supplanted. Could be the other way around, in fact. But I wanted to transition in this segment with you, John, about sort of the biblical timeline that we see. And one of the things that I've always really, you know, it caught me. When I first heard this argument that the Catholic Church supplanted the the pagan holidays by inventing December the 25th, I always thought, well, do you think Our Lady who gave birth to Christ would not remember the circumstances? I mean, name me one single mom who doesn't remember the day, the hour, 
what she ate right before. <laughs> I mean, my, yeah. my, I, I struggle. I have six kids and two grandkids, and I, sometimes I struggle to remember their birthdays. Not my wife. My wife can remember the exact minute that they were born. Not to mention that our lady had complete control of her faculties and had, exactly. would have had perfect yes. memory. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. so, uh, so given that, can, uh, John, do you think you can run us through the biblical timeline that might lead up to December the 25th? Well, I think that the December 25th date, if you're looking at the, um, if you're looking at the early church fathers, the, you know, the, the writings of the early Christians and you, uh, and you're trying to understand how they arrive at it, they sort of connect it to the Annunciation mm. in scripture. And there's a lot of really great articles on there that probably do a better job than mine. Uh, I, I recall, uh, Taylor Marshall actually has a pretty good article on it. He, he defends the idea that December 25th is the day yeah. that, uh, that Jesus is born. And you can know that for, for certain. Um, I, I think his arguments are interesting and I agree with, uh, with a lot of them. Um, but, looking at the early church fathers and their reasoning for picking December 25th was that they, they connected sort of the, especially if you read Hippolytus of Rome, who we spoke about before mm-hmm. that early mention of December 25th, he connects uh, creation to the annunciation. So he's saying that, uh, you know, on, on uh, March 25th, the, the, the date of the uh, annunciation, excuse me, it, uh, that creation happened on March 25th. God announces the the coming of the Redeemer, the Savior, on March 25th, and then nine months later, you have December 25th. So if Jesus was conceived on March 25th, you shoot forward nine months. Of course, you know, pregnancy is not always super even like that, <laughs> but... Uh, but it makes sense why they would arrive at that. You can see it. It's like, okay, now you fast forward nine months. That's the, you know, it's generally how long it takes. Um, and, uh, and that's how they arrived at December 25th. And uh, Pope Benedict uh, reinforces this in his book, The Spirit of the Liturgy. I actually quote that section in the article on mm. uh, December 25th on Catholic.com. And I think that's a really good um, I think that's a really good explanation. His is, his is one of the best. I, Pope Benedict was awesome. And uh, I think that sounds reasonable to me. And, mm. and, uh, and, I, and I agree with what you guys were saying earlier about uh, the Blessed Mother having knowledge of when Jesus would be born. I, I find it hard to believe that she wouldn't have... Uh, remembered the date of her only right, son. Right, yeah. And <laughs> could you right. could you even imagine her only son, who's also God? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can't forget God's birthday. Who, an angel announced. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I might have remembered something about that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, good luck with that, right? And you know, yeah. let me just briefly run through Taylor's uh, take on uh, on the biblical timeline. I've linked to, by the way, to John's article as well as Taylor's video on our live video feed over at facebook.com forward slash. Uh, GRN online, you can find it there. I also recommend you search for uh, Why December 25th on Catholic Answers website. There's like four articles, I think, that would be very helpful towards the subject as well. Um, but uh, Taylor takes it this way. We know that Zechariah, Luke chapter 1, was serving in the temple of, as a part of the company of Abijah. Now, there's 24 companies, which mean one company per week, and we know that he was serving in about the, the end of September. Uh, he goes home, he 
after his encounter with the gate with Gabriel and he conceives with his wife and they bear a son named John in about June. By the way, the church celebrates the birth of John the Baptist in June. Uh, now, John is six months older than Jesus. How do we know that? Based on when Gabriel uh, had this annunciation moment with Our Lady in Luke's Gospel, we know that her cousin Elizabeth was six months old. Six months plus June, you get to the end of December. And there we go. And we're already at December the 25th. And again, if Luke actually consulted Our Lady for any of this or consulted John the Apostle uh, who Our Lady lived with John the Apostle post the crucifix, right? So, if he consulted any of these uh, eyewitness uh, testimonies, then he would have had these details that he could have easily referenced in the composition of his gospel. What's right. it? Any I think comment it's a powerful there? argument. That's a that's a very powerful argument. I I, I appreciate what he what he says there. There was uh, um, there's another interesting. Um, point that uh, that was made by a 19th century liturgical scholar named Louis Duquesne, mm. and I've seen this uh, pop up here and there, is this idea that, um, uh, that prophets uh, died on the same day they were uh, conceived. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, uh, yeah, uh, me and a bunch of my colleagues have tried tracking down information to figure out where it is that he got this from, <laughs> and uh, we haven't been successful at that yet. doesn't mean it's not out there. We just haven't, haven't found it yet. Um, but, uh, but I think that's a, that's an interesting argument too. And, uh, I, you know, it's for me, ultimately, uh, if, if I like to think December 25th is, is the day that Jesus was born on, but if, you know, something popped up and said, oh, that, you know, he was born some other day, mm-hmm. um, that wouldn't, that wouldn't really shake my faith either. I, I love the argument that, uh, oh no, it, it couldn't have been in December because, uh, it was too cold outside, but you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so I live in Southern California. It's <laughs> yeah. the, the, the weather here is it, it's, it's cold. It's, it's like Israel. Yeah. yeah. But it's not, you know, and it gets cold at night, but it's not like you're going to die if you stand out there, you know, oh, in the middle funny. of the night. Yeah, because there's no way that the shepherds did their job during the winter, right? Right, because <laughs> sheep don't have to eat, right? Not even yeah. when it's cold out. They hold on till spring. Well, you know, yeah. f- funny story there. Uh, back in 2005, I, by, uh, by the sheer grace of God and a miracle, I was able to take my wife, and at the time we only had two children, uh, to Rome in December and we were at the, we were living in New England, so it was like thirty below, four feet of snow, and we were in Rome in December, and it was like fifty degrees, blue sky, sunshine. I was in a t-shirt, and the Italians were yelling, cursing at us for not covering up our baby girl, because they thought it was uh, we thought we were being uh, uh, inhuman, or you know they were being abusive to our child. <laughs> they were in fur coats and gloves, and I'm like, this is not cold, people. I mean, you want cold? Come with me. I'll show you cold. But, yeah. uh, you know, and I, last time I checked, Bethlehem is pretty much not on the same level as the Antarctic. I'm pretty sure no. that it's a, a fairly warm climate in general, uh, 24-7, yeah. uh, 365 at any rate. Uh, yeah. We're going to run out of time here in about, uh, I guess we have, what, four minutes left to go? Two, uh, two minutes left to go. Real quick, uh, Two minutes on the clock, John. What brought you into the church? What was the spark that led you out of atheism? You got two minutes. Uh, all right, that's uh, that's a difficult one to do in two minutes. But uh, it was a long process. My um, uh, my wife introduced me actually to uh, Catholic Answers website, and I started reading a lot of the the uh, content there. 
Um, it, so I would say it was a combination of that and just going to uh, her church with her and seeing, uh, you know, good Catholics who actually walk the walk. Um, it wasn't something that they just did on Sundays, which is a common trope with a lot of atheists. So, you know, they're, they're, you go to confession and you're all good. And, uh, you know, you can go on being a jerk the rest of the week or whatever. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't find that to be the case at all. So, uh, you know, and eventually um, I became convinced by a, a lot of the um, apologetics that I was reading. So I'm a huge fan of apologetics. That's, I've been with Catholic Answers 13 years, actually next month. Amazing. And uh, enjoyed every minute of it. Were you raised Christian or atheist? Uh, a little bit of Catholic uh, upbringing when I was real young, but my parents uh, left the faith. My grandfather was actually a, a doctor at a Catholic mission in Malawi, Africa. Really? So, uh, some, you know, yeah, one of my aunts was born there, and wow. but uh, they, you know, they had wandered from the faith by the time I was a you know teenager. Amazing. Well, praise be to Jesus. Welcome home. And uh, congratulations, Amen. 13 years uh, at Catholic Answers. What a wonderful apostolate. Thank you for all you do. Thanks a lot, brother. I really love your show, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, God bless you, John. We'd love to have you back sometime. Fun conversation, John. God love you, God bless you, and Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thank you. Likewise. Take care, brother. All right. Uh, again, I've linked to John's article. I really recommend you check that out over at uh, facebook.com forward slash GRN online. And... Uh, Check that out. It's a really good article. And be prepared for that conversation that could happen around a Christmas dinner table with friends or family. You know, oh, you Catholics, you you hijacked a pagan holiday. No, no, that's not the case. In fact, evidence shows it could be the other way around. So read that article and share that with friends or family. If you can hang out with us for the next hour, we're going to have the Catholic Game Show, uh, Fear and Trembling. Prizes are involved, and you don't even need to know the answers to the questions. It's a lot of fun. Plus, we're going to be speaking with Ryan Grant from Mediatrics Press about St. Robert Bellarmine. What a wonderful gift to the church to translate this into English. We'll talk all about that in the next hour. Plus, more breaking news and stories with Leo and Adrian and myself. All coming up in the next hour. We'll see you then. May God richly bless you. God love you and Merry Christmas. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. A friend asked me why Catholics have crucifixes in our churches. Don't we believe Jesus is risen? Why do we keep him on the cross? Well, first of all, you want to check out 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified. Why does Paul preach Christ crucified? Doesn't he know Jesus has been raised from the dead? Well, of course he does. But he knows that it is through the power of the crucified Christ on the cross that the bonds of sin and death are broken. As he says in verse 24, Christ crucified is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Again, didn't Paul know that Jesus had risen from the dead? Well, of course he did. Paul preaches Christ crucified because an empty cross has no power. 
The cross that bears the beaten, battered, and bloodied body of Jesus Christ, however, that cross is the power of God. So we keep Jesus on the cross because we, too, preach Christ crucified. And the crucifix reminds us not only of God's power, but also his love for us, giving his only begotten son up for death and suffering. Also, here in this life, we do not share so much in the glory of the resurrection as we do in the suffering of Jesus on the cross. After all, we must take up our cross daily if we are to follow Jesus, as it says in Luke 9, verse 23. And we must die with Christ in order to live with him, as Romans 6, 8 tells us. Where did Christ die? On the cross. One other passage to keep in mind is Galatians 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Did you catch that? Jesus was publicly portrayed before their eyes as being crucified. Sounds kind of like they may have been looking at a crucifix, doesn't it? A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. The Daily Mass is moving to the afternoon. Holy Mass has been a beloved component of our programming lineup for 20 years in the early morning time slot on the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are excited to announce that the 3 p.m. hour will become a holy hour, starting with the Divine Mercy Chaplet, followed by sacred music or spiritual reflections, and concluding with the Holy Mass at 3.30. The Holy Mass on the Guadalupe Radio Network, every weekday at 3.30 p.m. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you this morning. Merry Christmas to you, by the way. I know you've been saying that for about a month. It hasn't even started. This is the first time I've heard Joe say Merry Christmas. A couple of days from now. Well, it's going to be the last broadcast before Christmas officially starts, so I wanted to get it out there. Merry Christmas to you. Great program lined up for you today. Before we uh, talk about that, let me just remember, uh, we had some sad news uh, come in yesterday. A friend, a colleague, a member of our Guadalupe Radio Network family yesterday passed away. Armando Sanchez. Uh, he worked out of our Midland office. Incredible, incredible, charismatic, li- bigger than life kind of a personality. And uh, he will be loved uh, and missed deeply during this Christmas season. I would be grateful to you if you would keep him and the repose of his soul in your prayers, but especially pray for his family, that they will be consoled by grace and peace that surpasses understanding in these times. 2020 has been a rough one, so... Um, Please pray for Armando and his family. Uh, but on the show today, Emily Alcarez is out. She's on her vacation for uh, for Christmas. She's gone back to Chicago, but we uh, we swapped with someone else from the Chicago area. Leah Morrow, good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. Thanks for volunteering and sitting in the seat there, uh, reading the news and stories. We're very grateful to you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Now, you said you were from the uh, the South Bend area. That's where you're living anyway, the South yes. Bend. Where are you from originally? I'm originally from Houston. On uh, purpose? I yeah, like you intended <laughs> that? Nobody's from Houston. We uh, all, we all moved here from I'm someplace. I'm from Houston. No. Born and raised. Yep. Uh, born and raised. Crazy, man. All right, all right. Well, praise God. Uh, midnight Mass or early morning Mass? Which is your preference? Uh, we're, we're Midnight Massers. Yep. You're Midnight Massers. Praise <laughs> be to Jesus. Well, I hope you have an opportunity to Midnight Mass. Does that mean everybody in the I office so. is going to Midnight Mass? Seems like it. I am. 
Are awesome. you? I am. Yeah, By the way, Adrian Fonseca is producing the show today. Good morning, Adrian. Good morning. Top of the morning to you. All right. Praise God. On this show, we just wrapped up a great conversation about the actual Christmas Day, December the 25th. If you want to get access to that show and you didn't, weren't able to listen to it, there's several ways. The podcast it will be available at... Uh, uh, grnonline.com forward slash cdt is a great place to get the podcast the videos will be on youtube and on facebook and on twitter you can find us at all three of those platforms just by searching for at grnonline but in this show we've got the uh, game show coming up always a lot of fun and our sponsor today is Rough to Rustic. Rough the number two Rustic. I think it's roughtorustic.com. And they are generously giving us a beautiful Marian ornament for the Christmas tree. And they'll be mailing it directly to the winner, which we will pull a name out of the coffee cup of divine providence later in this show. So we'll have the game show, three more opportunities to get into that drawing coming up in, I don't know, 10 minutes from now, maybe a little to a little over 10 minutes could be your chance to get into the game show prize. Now, you don't even need to know the answers to the questions because I don't ask you, dear listener, I ask them. And if you want to be a contestant, that phone number to write down is 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. We'll call for a contestant in just a little bit. And then later in the show, Ryan Grant from Mediatrix Press is going to be on. And we'll talk a little bit about the Catholic... Uh, the. Uh, the Reformation period, right, where the Catholics had to fight back against the Protestant Reformation to bring the good, the true, and the beautiful back to uh, this continent uh, in Europe that was leaving in droves. Uh, we, we talked a little bit about that yesterday, the old evangelization, uh, and we'll continue that conversation a bit with Ryan Grant, but we'll also talk about his work to translate Robert Bellarmine. This is a gem and a gift to the whole world, Robert Bellarmine being the foremost expert on the Antichrist. So you should check that out. But all that's coming in today's show. Let's begin with prayer. Bring your intentions, whatever you're facing, whatever's on your your plate, whatever challenges, whatever your needs are, whatever you uh, you're in, you want to ask uh, the Lord for. I'm going to be praying for the repose of my friend Armando Sanchez and for his family. I'm going to pray for our team here, all of our equipment, our show today, and our radio apostolate, and my family in particular. But let's unite our intentions and bring them to Our Lady that she may whisper them into the ear of her son, that he may draw us ever so more closely into his most sacred heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary. That never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now, the headlines with Leah Morrow. President Donald Trump on Tuesday demanded that Congress amend the coronavirus rescue package and government funding bill before sending it back to his desk. The massive bill was passed by both the House and the Senate on Monday night, but immediately drew criticism for only sending $600 of direct aid to each American. Trump criticized the bill for extending relief payments to family members of illegal aliens, getting up to $1,800 each. The president also lamented that the bill failed to provide substantial aid to restaurants and small businesses. He has asked Congress to amend the bill and increase the $600 to $2,000 or $4,000 for a couple. 
House Speaker Nancy Pelosi endorsed the president's demand to increase the coronavirus relief checks, saying Democrats are ready to bring it to the floor, and saying on Twitter, quote, let's do it. More than a quarter of respondents to a British poll say they will not be seeing relatives this Christmas, while 41% were worried about loved ones becoming isolated during the holiday season. The poll, conducted for the British Psychological Society, was taken before Prime Minister Boris Johnson declared a regional Tier 4 lockdown. The Tier 4 lockdown rules include a stay-at-home order and require that non-essential shops, hairdressers, and leisure and entertainment venues must close. Households are not allowed to mix, and across the rest of the country, people must stay local. The chairman of the British Psychological Society remarked that the poll figures would be even higher after the Prime Minister's decision. A priest of the Society of St. Pius X has successfully sued California Governor Gavin Newsom to enable masses to continue at his parishes. The landmark decision was decided on the Supreme Court precedent of Brooklyn Diocese v. Cuomo, which prevented the governor from enforcing an executive order which limited occupancy in churches to 25 people. The ruling noted that Newsom had, quote, not convincingly established that the health risks associated with houses of worship would be any different than essential businesses or critical infrastructure, end quote. Judge Gregory Pulskamp issued the order on December 10th, prohibiting Newsom and the others named in the lawsuit from enforcing COVID-19-related restrictions against Father Trevor Burfitt. Those are your Wednesday morning headlines. Back to you, Joe. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, uh, Leah, for volunteering today and being a part of our show and reading the news. We're very grateful to you. Absolutely. All right. Uh, St. John Canty, pray for us. Otherwise known as St. John Cantius, born on June 23rd, 1390 in Poland. Uh, very bright, very brilliant student. Uh, going to University of Krakow. He became a professor of theology there and it would be ordained. But um, he was... Uh, he had enemies, let's just say, people who were jealous of his brilliance, of his of his work, and so he was sort of pushed out of university. We don't see this happening at all in today's society, so don't worry about it. This just happened way back when. But at 41 years old, he was assigned to be a parish priest, and it, it terrified him. He was uh, terrified of the responsibility of caring for the souls of these people. And the, I think the parishioners, they weren't all too thrilled about that squeamishness. But in the end, he persevered and he won their hearts and he was well loved for it. He would go on to teach in Krakow scripture and theology for the rest of his life. But he was also a man given over to uh, humility and piety. Very, very generous, overly so generous to the poor, especially. He slept little, he ate little, and he made many pilgrimage walks. He went to Jerusalem. He went to Rome several times, walking the whole way from Poland, carrying luggage on his back, gave very little concern to his own health and well-being. Many people were like... You have to pay attention. I mean, it's like my wife every day. She's like, do you take your vitamins? Are you, how are you eating right? We get very concerned. But St. John Cantius was like, the Desert Fathers didn't worry about these things. They only worried about being in the presence of God and counting and trusting on God for everything all the time. And that was the attitude of St. John Cantius. Even at the moment he dies, December the 24th, 1473 in Krakow, uh, his veneration became almost an immediate cult. 
And even to the fact that for years after his death, his doctoral gown was worn by graduates receiving advanced degrees from the University of Krakow. So fantastic story of faith, of perseverance, of humility, of piety. Uh, that we should take up today. Maybe we can learn a little bit from St. John Canty. May he pray for us. And the gospel today comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 57 through 66. When the time arrived for Elizabeth to have her child, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy toward her, and they rejoiced with her. When they came on the eighth day to circumcise the child, they were going to call him Zechariah after his father, but his mother said in reply, No, he will be called John. But they answered her, There is no one among your relatives who has this name. So they made signs, asking his father what he wished him to be called. He asked for a tablet and wrote, John is his name, and all were amazed. Immediately, his mouth was opened, his tongue freed, and he spoke, blessing God. Then fear came upon all their neighbors, and all these matters were discussed throughout the hill country of Judea. All who heard these things took them to heart, saying, What then will this child be? For surely the hand of the Lord was with him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Uh, as I was talking about last hour, and when we went over this uh, particular passage, this gospel passage, Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 57 through 66, one of the things that strikes me in this passage is the Zachariah versus Our Lady implications of Zachariah being mute this whole time. You might recall in the beginning of Luke's gospel, uh, Zachariah from the company of Abijah was on duty and he encountered as he was offering uh, the incense sacrifice in the temple all by himself, there uh, before him was an angel. And it frightened him. The very presence of the angel frightened him. And I want to remind you of like the shepherds in the fields who are frightened at the sight of angels. Or Daniel the prophet who was frightened at the sight of an angel. Or the apostle John himself in the book of Revelation, frightened at the sight of an angel. Unlike Our Lady, when the angel Gabriel appears to her in Luke's gospel, she is not at all frightened at the sight of the angel. It is the, what the angel says that gives her pause. It is what the angel calls her, the kekare tomene, or the full of grace, that gives her pause. That makes her the virgin spoken of in Isaiah's uh, prophecy to bear the Messiah to the world. That makes her the Gibirah that Solomon's mom would become in the first kings. So there's a big, huge contrast between our lady who saw this angel, heard what he had to say, and then gave her fiat, and Zechariah, who saw the same angel, was scared of, of this angel, heard what he had to say, and then doubted. And the angel's like, are you out of your mind? I'm Gabriel. I come from before the very face of God. You're going to be mute until this child is born. And here in this passage today, this is the moment where John finally gets it right. And he says, nope, this child is going to be called John and his tongue is freed and he's able to bless and praise God. And I think that should tell us uh, a key message. When God speaks, one, do not be afraid. And number two, do not doubt. 
And don't be like, don't be a Zachariah. Be more like Our Lady and say yes to the Lord. Uh, Adrian, what did you get out of this? Yes, absolutely. So I wanted to focus on specifically just one sentence. Uh, they say, then whenever Zachariah says, or writes rather, his name is John. Now, this is very important because St. Ambrose remarks that it's important that he says his name is John and not it will be John. St. Ambrose goes on to say that it is as if Zechariah is saying he has his own name, which we acknowledge, but which we did not choose because his name was given by God. So in the moment of his conception in the womb of St. Elizabeth, his name was already John. Uh, so that, that's just a ma- ma- marvelous theme because he's a citizen of heaven first before he is a citizen of the earthly kingdom. Uh, so I think that's very important. And Amen. also we are about to go to break, but we have the game show going on in just a couple minutes. And so we are uh, checking the phone calls. And right now, God bless, we have no callers. That means you, dear listener, uh, who calls in next will be our contestant for the game show. Opportunity is knocking at the door. Don't be afraid and don't doubt. You could win a very cool prize from rough to rustic. It's a beautiful Marian ornament sent out just in time for the Christmas season. And uh, all you got to do is be our contestant on our game show. Three questions, and you don't even need to know the answers to these questions because you don't get asked these questions. Uh, I was going to say Emily, but she's off. Leah and Adrian are going to have to answer this question. One will be right. One will be wrong. You can guess. And you might get a 50-50 shot at getting it right. And so three chances to win. Call now, 877-757-9424. We'll take the first caller to be our contestant. And we're also actually going to pull the winner out uh, afterwards. So we're going to pull a winner today. 877-757-9424 is the number to call. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back with Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show. It's a lot of fun. We get a little laugh, but you learn something about your faith and prizes are involved. Looking for our contestant at 877-757-9424. Could be you. 877-757-9424. Don't go anywhere. We're also going to speak with Ryan Grant from Mediatrics Press in this hour about his work to translate incredible works to provide them to the world. All that coming up next. Have a drive time. Don't go anywhere. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2.10-11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 115 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. 
We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. 877-757-9424 is your phone number to call to have an opportunity to winning a prize today from Rough to Rustic, a beautiful Marian ornament in time for the Christmas season. is uh, Someone's going to win today. Someone's going to win. And it's super easy. So uh, welcome back to Fear and Trembling. I'm Joe McClain, and this is how the game show works. I have three questions, which represents three opportunities to enter the drawing for the prize. All you have to do is call 877-757-9424. You don't even need to know the answers to the questions because I won't ask you the questions. I'm going to ask Leah, and I'm going to ask Adrian. One of them will have a right answer, and one will have a wrong answer. The caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. 50-50 shot. Who's right? Who's wrong? Every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence, and uh, we'll pull out a winner. We'll pull out a winner on a uh, little bit later. I, I think after the break is when I'm going to pull the winner. And they'll get the rough to rustic uh, ornament. It's a Marian ornament. It'll be mailed directly to your house. So that is how the game works. Let's go to the calls. Uh, Michelle calling on line two. Good morning to you. Is it Michelle or Michael? Michael, I'm uh, sorry. Uh, 50-50 shot at it. I had, I, I, I chose the wrong one, but I had a good opportunity to try to get it right. Michael, good morning you to you. What? Thanks for being a part of the program. Say, sir, may I say something? Sure. I, I, you know, I'm not Catholic. My mom was raised up Catholic. Uh, she went to a Catholic church. I don't know if she uh, was accepted and joined, but she was a child when she did this. I was raised Baptist. My great-grandmother raised me. And I've been listening to your radio show, radio show since I've been in Texas for the last five months. But I listened to it in Memphis, too. I watch it on TV. And I am very impressed with your knowledge, your spirituality. I may not agree upon some of the things that you guys believe in, uh, but I'm dogma uh, Baptist. But I've strayed away from baptism um, only because I'm walking uh, the path of being with God, and I, I just amazed uh, on your knowledge and wisdom and your outreach, and may God continue to be with you and bless you guys. Amen. Praise be to Jesus. God bless you, Michael. We're so grateful that you're listening and called in today. Are you ready to be a part of the game show? Yes, sir. Amen. All right. Do you understand how it works? Yes, sir. All right. Well, Michael, we're so grateful to you and uh, and ready to put you into the coffee cup of divine providence for the prize today. But all right. So we have three questions. We're going to start with Leah. She's sitting in Emily's seat today. So we always start there. Uh, Leah, are you ready? I am ready. Are you ready? I think so. All right. Here we go. In what century was the Gregorian calendar introduced? Ooh. 
The Gregorian calendar. I'm going to say sometime in the 1500s, so 16th century. 16th century. Is that your final answer? That is my final answer. Sometime in the 1500s, so 16th century. Leah's on the board for 16th century. Adrian, in what century was the Gregorian calendar introduced? I I, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no clue. I'm going to... Um, so, as opposed to the Julian calendar, uh-huh. uh, so we replace the calendar. So, the calendar we have today, yes. I guess that would be... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So, Gregor... Gregory was 500, so I'm going to say 500. Okay, are you sure? Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Leah is on the board for the 16th century, so 1500-something, and Adrian is on the board for the 500s? Uh, Yes, sir. All right, well, 50-50 shot at this, Michael. Who's right? Who's wrong? You have 15 seconds. I think I might do it, Leah. Leah? I made a good choice. All right, all right. All right, survey says... Yes! Good shot. You're already in the uh, coffee cup of divine providence, Michael. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Two more opportunities to go. Are you ready? Okay. Yes, sir. Here we go. Adrian, we'll start with you this time. Going back to the Gregorian calendar again, learning new things today, I guess. Uh, Here's the question. By how many days does the Julian calendar differ from the Gregorian calendar? Okay, so... Uh, the Julian calendar was based off of the Roman calendar, which was uh, kind of got all, of, all out of whack. So Gregory, we had to start <laughs> to fix it. It was, I think it was like 13 days. I think it was a 13 days That's difference. That's so specific. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Very specific. 13 days. Okay. All right. Oh, so let's try you, Leah. By how many days one. does the Julian calendar differ from the Gregorian calendar? I'm going to say... Maybe a solid month. Maybe it's a month off. I'm going to say 30 days. You're going with a nice round number. Yep. All right. Leah is on the board for 30. Adrian is on the board for 13. Who's right? Who's wrong? Michael, 15 I seconds. I believe it's 30. I believe it's 30 also. You're going with Leah. Yeah. Survey says... Oh, I'm so sorry, Michael. It was 13. I didn't even know that. 50-50 shot, right? (laughs) You get a chance. All right, (laughs) last question. This one, I think, is fairly easy. It's not like the... It's not difficult. Uh, This one should be fairly easy. Here we go. Uh, We'll start back with Leah this time. Who was chosen to replace Judas in the 12 Apostles? Hmm. Acts chapter 2. Let's see how well I know my Bible. Uh, let's see. I th- I'm going to go with St. Matthias. St. Matthias. And Adrian, who was chosen to replace Judas among the 12 apostles? Uh, who replaced Judas? Was it Maximus? Is that your, is that your answer? Uh, is that your final answer? Uh, may, I guess so. Maximus? It's, it's an M name. I know it's an so M name. Adrian is on the board for Maximus, and, and Leah is on the board for Matthias. 15 seconds on the clock, Michael. Who's right? Who's wrong? What say you? I believe it's Matthias. Survey says... Yay! Yeah, Michael. <laughs> congratulations. You know your Bible. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Uh, congratulations, Michael. You're in the coffee cup of divine providence twice today. We're so very grateful to you. Where, where again are you calling what? from, Michael? I'm, I'm here in La Mesa, Texas. La Mesa, Texas. Praise be to God. A beautiful little town. It is so beautiful. The people here are so friendly and kind. It, I believe it's only like 12,000. But uh, 
since I've been here, I've already been placed in their newspaper. I teach online uh, free art classes. Really? I did it in Cordova, Tennessee, and I did it here. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Mike, Michael McDonald. Um, drawing with Mike is how you uh, access the uh, site. Amen. Praise be to God. Well, God bless you, Michael. Uh, again, we're very grateful to you for calling in today, and uh, thank you stay for listening on the line so we can to get Catholic your phone Radio. Number. Yeah, and stay on the line to get the phone number. But, okay. but just thank you for listening to Catholic Radio, and Merry Christmas to you, Michael. Thank you, guys. All right. Uh, God bless you. Michael's on hold. Uh, thank you so much for playing Fear and Trembling, the final game before Christmas starts, because today is the last episode of Catholic Drive Time. We'll be back next week after... After uh, the break, and we'll have more Catholic Drive Time. But don't go anywhere. Ryan Grant's still coming, plus more breaking news and stories after this break. So much more Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. All coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Atheists claim theists are essentially no different than atheists because we reject gods too, such as Greek and Roman gods. But this is plain absurdity. What's our reason? First, it's an abuse of language. A theist believes in at least one God. An atheist doesn't believe in any God. They're mutually exclusive terms. To say a theist is an atheist to most gods is like saying a married man is a bachelor to most women. Second, it's bad reasoning. To say I'm an atheist because I reject some gods is like saying I'm an anarchist, one who rejects all forms of government because I reject communism and fascism, some forms of government. But that's silly. So the claim that atheists and theists are no different doesn't hold water. I'm Carlo Brusord with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Father John Bartunik, in his book, The Better Part, wrote, Gratitude is one of the most beautiful flowers in the whole garden of virtues. It directly contradicts self-centeredness, self-indulgence, and self-absorption. It builds bridges, unites communities, and softens hearts. It encourages and inspires. It cuts through discouragement and counteracts depression. It opens the soul to the truth and releases anxiety. It brings smiles and gladness wherever it blooms. What a pity that it is as rare as it is lovely. When was the last time you were truly grateful to our Lord for the spouse he has given to you? When was the last time that you told your spouse you are very grateful for him or her? Gratitude goes a long way in healing wounds. Give it a try. Go home today and tell your spouse how grateful to God you are that he or she married you. This has been a minute for your marriage and family from the Three Hearts Institute. You can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Here's the latest in breaking news and information. President Donald Trump on Tuesday demanded that Congress amend the coronavirus rescue package and government funding bill before sending it to his desk. The massive bill was passed by both the House and the Senate on Monday night, but immediately drew criticism for only sending $600 of direct aid to each American. Trump criticized the bill for extending relief payments to family members of illegal aliens, getting up to $1,800 each. The president also lamented that the bill failed to provide substantial aid to restaurants and small businesses. He has asked Congress to amend the bill and increase the $600 to $2,000 or $4,000 for a couple. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi endorsed the president's demand to increase the coronavirus relief checks, saying Democrats are ready to bring it to the floor, and saying on Twitter, quote, let's do it. 
More than a quarter of respondents to a British poll said they would not be seeing relatives this Christmas, while 41% were worried about loved ones becoming isolated during the holiday season. The poll, conducted for the British Psychological Society, was taken before Prime Minister Boris Johnson declared a regional Tier 4 lockdown. The Tier 4 lockdown rules include a stay-at-home order and require that non-essential shops, hairdressers, and leisure and entertainment venues must close. Households are not allowed to mix, and across the rest of the country, people must stay local. The chairman of the British Psychological Society remarked that the poll figures would be even higher after the Prime Minister's decision. A priest of the Society of St. Pius X has successfully sued California Governor Gavin Newsom to enable masses to continue at his parishes. The landmark decision was decided on the Supreme Court precedent of Brooklyn Diocese v. Cuomo, which prevented the governor from enforcing an executive order that limited occupancy in churches to 25 people. The ruling noted that Newsom had, quote, not convincingly established that the health risks associated with houses of worship would be any different than essential businesses or critical infrastructure. Judge Gregory Pulskamp issued the order on December 10th, prohibiting Newsom and the others named in the lawsuit from enforcing COVID-19-related restrictions against Father Trevor Burfitt. Those are your Wednesday morning headlines. Back to you, Joe. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Uh, well, you survived it, Leah. <laughs> you survived it. Now, what do you do professionally? I actually work for a local news station in South Bend, Indiana. In South Bend. Wow, that's, that's awesome. How long have you been doing that? Uh, almost a year now. Really? Yeah. No kidding. Praise God for that. Thanks again for uh, coming down and volunteering, being a part of our program. You know, uh, the alternative of either Adrian or I having to read the news is so much worse. So <laughs> we're so grateful to you, and our audience is grateful to you, too. Yeah, everybody, whenever I was reading the news, they were like, oh, my gosh, Adrian, you did so great. When is, when's Emily coming back? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me this morning. Yeah, amen to that. All right, so we're going to pull a winner for the game show this week. So all week long, every week, we have a new sponsor underwriting the giveaway prize. And th this week was Rough to Rustic. And they have a beautiful uh, Marian ornament that they're going to send to the winner. So we have the coffee cup of divine providence with all the entries for this week. Uh, Leah, can you shake that? Can you give, uh, get us on camera. I want to make sure this is legitimate. All right. That we're, uh, give it a nice, no, put your hand on the top and vigorously uh, shake that thing up. Let's give this as fair an opportunity as we can to pull the winner out randomly. And then when you have a chance, we need a drum roll, Adrian. Oh, I keep saying I'm going to get a drum roll sound effect and just, then I just, just never do just it. Drum roll on the desk. Yeah, there you go. Never <laughs> happens. All right, uh, and the winner is. The winner is. Awesome. Michael, our Michael. caller who just called. Wow. Congratulations, okay. awesome. Michael, uh, who just called in. So congratulations to you. Uh, thanks be to God uh, that you were able to call in today. We're very grateful to you. We'll we'll be in touch. We'll have uh, rough to rustic mail your ornament directly to you. And uh, and congratulations. Thanks for being a part of our game show. We're uh, we're very pleased that you were called in today. But uh, next week is a new opportunity. Uh, today is the last day of of the show. We won't have a show tomorrow or on Friday, so no Christmas Eve and no Christmas Day shows. We have special programming that we are taking from EWTN, and you'll be able to hear that. I think, if I'm not mistaken, one of the special programs that will air across our network is, in fact, uh, A Christmas Carol. 
It's the audio drama version of A Christmas Carol. Uh, a prized, uh, you know, tradition is to read or listen to or watch A Christmas Carol. Do either one of you uh, watch or listen to A Christmas Carol at this time of year? Yes? No? Maybe so? No? No? no I've read not. it. All I've of definitely sudden, read it. Silent. Well, You've not seen Christmas Carol? I've seen I've it. I've seen it, actually. I saw it performed downtown. How, how old are you? 12? I mean, like, uh, who, who well, has not seen Christmas Carol? I've seen it. I've seen it twice in a, and play form. I've, and seen, I've seen the play it, form yeah. downtown at the Alley Theater. Yeah, actually. me too. Yeah, oh, exact. you saw it and play form? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, it was very good. I've also seen, I think, three editions, uh, three versions of the movie. Uh, but I don't watch it every... So it sounds like I watch it a lot, but I don't watch it every Christmas. Well, we were supposed to have Ryan Grant on from Mediatrix Press. Uh, for whatever reason, we're not able to get, get him onto the line at the moment. Yeah, so that might, that's probably my fault. How about we do this? Uh, dear listener, have you? So you must have, right? Tell me I'm wrong. You've seen A Christmas Carol. What I want to know is, what are your, what's your favorite version of that? Uh, maybe you can call in and uh, share with us either your favorite version of A Christmas Carol or maybe you can just say whatever your favorite Christmas movie is. I would love to hear that. You can be a part of our, our show. Comment and uh, at 877-757-9424. We'll be ready to take your calls and put them on, on air with us for a minute at 877-757-9424. What is your favorite form uh, of A Christmas Carol? Do you have a particular uh, actor who's played Scrooge that you that you really like? I would or your favorite Christmas movie in general yeah. right uh, it's a wonderful life is another another one that keeps coming up all the time oh my goodness that's Miracle one of my on, uh, favorite 34th movies. street is another one uh classics eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four are there any modern christmas movies that are any good honestly i don't think die so. hard is, uh, die hard <laughs> is die hard a christmas movie they say it is that's what everybody says they say it is it's, but uh mm. you know it's a wonderful life is one of my favorite movies why of is all that? time why is that you know um, it's just you know i saw it for the first time last year this time last year and I actually ended up watching it like four times in a row because I loved it so much it's just such a beautiful story and I just love how how Catholic it is yeah like it's there's just like there's that breath of Catholicism throughout the movie and it's just very lovely what in particular do you feel is very Catholic in theme well, that's very interesting. So the I actually wrote a paper because I was doing a class on <laughs> film and literature uh, and Catholicism. Okay, and so I actually did a, a paper on this topic, and I just talked about how the entire all the family values and the idea of subsidiarity throughout the story mm. uh, is really what directs it towards a Catholic worldview. And for those who don't know, subsidiarity is the idea that what's what can be done at the lowest level should be done at the lowest level. So that's why we see the main character of the, of the movie hand, like, taking care of his community one-on-one with one another and not trying to appeal to a higher or greater power. It's all about very, it's a very neighborly, neighborly love, you know? Aside from the sketchy theology on angels, I don't know if uh, we can agree. Yeah, this is true. This Every is time true. a bell ring, the angels, uh, rings. Yeah, the angelology is <laughs> that's not uh, super is Catholic. It's kind of whack. <laughs> it's not at all Catholic. <laughs> but but we'll, we'll take the subsidiarity. That's it a is good very one. entertaining, anyway. Oh, yeah. um, of course, Christmas Carol. It, there, there's no no real. There's no church involved except for the one scene on Christmas Day morning where uh, you know the little boy wants to go to the service, but it's an Anglican service. So, but besides that, it's still a very endearing. Um, story. And what I, I there, there's a movie that came out, I think it was 2017, called The Man Who Invented, uh, was it The Man Who Invented Christmas? I no, think you were called. talking about this before the show. I had not seen this movie. You uh, told me I have to watch it, though. It's a requirement. Who invented, I'm, I'm, I'm Googling it just so I get it correct. It's a film. It's a great film about 
the actual origin of the story of A Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens, and it's called The Man Who Invented Christmas, and it came out in 2017. It starred Dan Stevens, Christopher Plummer was in it, I mean, uh, uh, Justin Edwards, and it's a great film. My family and I have been watching it ever since 2017 at Christmas time. It is just a beautiful, not only retelling of the story itself, but also from the perspective of Charles Dickens, who was trying to come up with his next greatest hit. And he was also at the same time combating the smugness of his era. And I think what's fascinating to me from a Catholic perspective on the film is the, that England didn't really celebrate Christmas in his time, in the Victorian age. Part of it was uh, from their anti-Catholic roots of the Protestant Reformation, which is something we wanted to talk to Ryan Grant about, but he's not on with us at the moment. So, I, I thought I found that fascinating that um, Charles Dickens was realizing that, uh, that his community, his society was very smug and very sort of uh, austere, and he wanted to inject the light back into his community, and he had a great effect. So, it's a fascinating uh, retelling of what it took to produce this book, and when his own publishers were like, who is going to read a Christmas book? Like, really? No, who wants this? Nobody wants this, Charles. Write something else. And he refused. He was so focused on this. And then, of course, it weaves in his own story of how he grew up as a child and how difficult his days were under, under the poverty, uh, the, the, uh, what is it called? The, uh, the laws where your, your family goes broke and they put you in debtor's prison. Well, his, Parents had to go to debtor's prison while he worked in a factory. Fascinating story. It's called The Man Who Invented Christmas. And I'm appalled that you've not seen this, Adrian. <laughs> I, I will watch it. You said it's a requirement, so I'm going to watch it uh, this hopefully tonight, actually. Uh, but, Leah, what is your favorite Christmas movie? Well, you know, I, I have to say, my family does. We watch a wonder. It's a Wonderful Life every year. My dad color requires that one. Color? Oh, the original. Yeah, black and white. So, we, no, no color for you. <laughs> like no, that's too modern, right? Too too modern. Yes, that's yeah, messing we, we with the original the, form the only. <laughs> the modernist invention of color. Uh, we, we use a real projector onto the wall. Oh yeah, You're like you can't <laughs> use that like a digitized version. No that DVDs. Is so, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so every year is it Christmas Eve that you do that, or when do you do that? Um, yeah, any we've done it on Christmas Eve before. Um, yeah, we've just any time leading up to Christmas, even after Christmas. You know, we sit together on the couch. Everyone in the family and watch. The first time I saw it, I was like, "This is the lamest thing I've ever seen." Like the whole movie is depressing. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness! The whole Ouch. movie is so depressing. Like I didn't. Uh, yeah, but I've I've grown to really love it, and it's it's a classic. Well, we have in the studio uh, your fiance Giovanni, and uh, I want to ask Giovanni what he uh, does for Christmas. What his favorite Christmas movie is? Yeah, I'd have to also go with It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> so, it's been a classic. Same. We watch it every year. Color or black and white? Oh, definitely black and white. Definitely yeah, black and white. Color. Wow. I must I must say, though, um, what Giovanni's not telling you right now is that when we were in college, he actually worked on our radio play production of, uh, it's an adaptation called Merry Christmas, George Bailey. And it actually, really? it's live on EWT EWTN every year on uh, Christmas Eve. I remember that. So he fact. did all the sound effects for that movie. You were the Foley artist, play. Giovanni? Yep, yep I, did, I did the Foley. How was... did you, get, now Foley artist is the guy who makes the sound effects. So how did you do that? Like, tell us about your process. I, I kind of just walked around. Uh, we had a warehouse full of props. I just walked around and hit stuff together. And that's, <laughs> I think he that's had what to they build. do. So. He had to construct some pretty interesting devices to make different sounds like thunder and i don't know what what did you have yeah there was a really fun uh wind machine which is actually a classic foley prop i did some research on it and it's this 
like heavy cloth that you spin around this drum and it just like makes the sound of the kind of ghostly wind, you know, in the cemetery. <laughs> yeah, like that's that. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, we could just have Joe go on the radio yeah, and make I know. that. Yeah. <laughs> you know why you had Joe, let's blow on the mic. Right, I, exactly. I, I'm an old school radio guy. I grew up as a kid loving radio, tuning the dial at night as entertainment, just listening to radio broadcasts. And I, I am particularly drawn when I hear audio dramas uh, on radio. I, I find them fascinating, especially even in, in modern digital age. I mean, I, we, we, I was blessed last year to interview um, – uh, the guy who produced the new Robin Hood series on uh, on Formed.org. He's the same gentleman who used to work for Focus on the Family, and he produced uh, the Chronicles of Narnia uh, for Focus on the Family. And the quality is absolutely stellar, like the best possible quality you could ever think of. It's so good. And you're just so enthralled by the by the uh, you're you're captivated because your mind is racing, visualizing what you're hearing, and the power of the audio drama used to be such a mainstay in our society back in the 30s and the 40s. The families would gather around and listen, and I think it it really unlike television that sort of depicts everything for you uh, with audio. Your mind is has a big participation uh, into that that retelling of that story. It's seeing things from your perspective, and so I find it very very fascinating. So that is super cool to know, Giovanni, that you're a part of that. But all right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back, but I want to hear from you, dear listener. What was your favorite, or what is your favorite Christmas movie? You want to share that with us? Call right now, 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child and wondering what Santa would bring? In many developing countries like Haiti, most children don't make Christmas lists and they don't expect Christmas gifts. Often, every penny their parents earn must go to their basic needs like food, shelter, and water. Now picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift. You can spark that magical moment by sending them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. The universe is filled with order from top to bottom. And it's a beautiful order, and not only is it beautiful, it's order that we can actually comprehend. And it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe, to be able to contemplate it so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it. Please visit Father Spitzer's website, magiscenter.com, to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and God's creation. That's magiscenter.com. We have got some good news. The new version of the Guadalupe Radio Network app is out now. The new version offers big improvements with even more on the way. You'll be able to find and listen to your station no matter where you are and switch between our English and Spanish stations with ease. Missed your favorite GRN show? You can find all past episodes as podcasts on the app. To download or update the app, search your app store for the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you. We're talking about your favorite Christmas movie. I'd love to know what your favorite Christmas movie is. I have a few minutes to take your call if you want to share that with, that with us on the air. Uh, 877-757-9424. 877 877- 
877-947-9424. What's your favorite Christmas film, and when do you watch that as a family? I'd love to know that. 877-757-9424. Carola over on Facebook said, I watch every Christmas, It's a Wonderful Life, The Last Day Before Christmas, The Polar Express, and The Grinch. I got by confusion at a Victorian Christmas book. I think that's what that says. How was there no time, no Christmas for them? Oh, I think she was confused by the fact that there was no Christmas for them. Well, there was Christmas, but they didn't really celebrate and embrace the holiday. Uh, and again, it stems from their anti-Catholic roots of the Protestant Reformation. Henry VIII, his daughter Elizabeth, anything that smelled Catholic, well, they didn't really go for it. And Christmas was a part of that. It got caught up into that. So it wasn't a, uh, a feast day that they really embraced. And it was Charles Dickens and A Christmas Carol that helped to change that for England. So praise God for that. Uh, thank you for that comment. Uh, another film that my family has really loved has been The Grinch, the 2018 version. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch played The Grinch in this animated film. It was very well done. In fact, you know one of the things that I loved about this particular version of The Grinch? They play a Christian hymn in the film itself. It wow. is like mind blown. <laughs> That's awesome. It was that good, and uh, of course, Benedict Cumberbatch is the uh, Smaug. You know, he got he's a play who played Smaug. He he also played uh, 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 Sherlock Holmes and many other characters, of course. Uh, so Benedict Cumberbatch. Let's go to the phones. But if you want to share your favorite Christmas film with us and the tradition in your family, we have a few minutes to do that. Eight seven 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 five seven ninety four twenty four. Eight seven 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 five seven ninety four twenty four. Christina is calling. Uh, good morning to you. Thanks for being a part of our program. What is your favorite Christmas film? Home Alone. Home Alone. First one? Yes. Now, (laughs) what started that tradition for you? It's something the whole family really enjoys, no matter what their age, and it's just funny, and it's nice to sit around together and laugh together. Yeah, yeah. It's it's gag-laden, right? Yes, yes, and uh, we don't get enough laughs nowadays and it's just time fun to sit with the family and say everybody looking at their phones in their hands <laughs> and <laughs> so yeah. i told my kids i said well you can either watch home alone with me or we can watch the nutcracker <laughs> <laughs> we watched the nutcracker actually the ballet with yeah. uh who is the famous uh the the the, the male famous dancer macaulay corkin no 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 that's no? home alone the the no, nutcracker he's, he's in the nutcracker too have you, no, have you seen that the one? Nutcracker too. Yes, he, you danced. Yeah. yeah, I did Isn't not that, know this. That's a great title. I have just maybe been they're just maybe they're just the Macaulay Culkin fans. My overall. mind just took a my mind just uh, crinkled a little bit there. <laughs> wow, I did not know Macaulay Culkin was in Nutcracker. I was thinking of the famous male uh, dancer. He's a Russian fella. He was in uh, Rudolf Nureyev. Okay, there you go. Yeah, my family watches that every year, too. But uh, we haven't caught on to the Home Alone uh, tradition yet. We're stuck on some others. But uh, now, what, when do you watch that, Christine? Is it the uh, night before, or when do you do that? No, it's usually after Christmas and the days following. And um, I know, just watching the kids and how they argue and they're kind of mean and nasty each other reminds me of <laughs> <Yeah>. my childhood. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> but in the end, in the end, they all missed their brother. And it ended well, right? It ended well. Yes, 
Yeah. All right. Well, Christina, uh, midnight mass, early morning. Well, how do you do that? Midnight mass. All midnight mass. Oh, absolutely, all the way. Praise be to Drag Jesus. Drag the kids there, even if they fall asleep <laughs> in the pews. I don't care. They're at midnight mass. <laughs> Amen to that, Christina. God bless you. Merry Christmas to you. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you. Bye. All right. God bless you. We're going to go to uh, Alan from H Town. Good morning, Alan. Uh, good morning. As I'm fixing breakfast here. Uh, <laughs> now. Uh, what is your favorite Christmas movie? I have a couple. Uh, Try this one. Um, the Homecoming. The and Homecoming. that was the pilot series for the Waltons. Ah. Came out in the early 70s. And uh, that, was, that was shown like 71. And then a year later, the Waltons started. Mm. And it was uh, all the kids were waiting for their dad to come back from a, a job. It was mm. during the Depression. He was miles and miles away. And it was revolving around a bus accident that killed, I think, a few men. And it was believed that the father had been on that bus. No kidding. And they were waiting. They were waiting for their dad to come back, you know, trekking through oh, the wow. snow. Wow. And there's mountains in western western Virginia, not western. West Virginia. And western Virginia is beautiful. A very West beautiful Virginia. part I've, of country. I've heard stories, yeah. Let's that. do a... Uh, and there's a, another one. Hold on, Alan, real quick. Bef- the House Without a Christmas Tree. Alan, hold on. Oh, before okay. we move on to that, no, well, that one, let me take a quick straw poll here in the studio. Okay. Uh, how many of you, um, I'm thinking of you three here in the studio, have even knew what the Waltons were or have ever I seen have one? Heard, oh. I have heard of the Waltons. Yeah. I heard, my mother apparently showed me... Uh, when I was very little, just old, yeah. I'm thinking about starting a new segment on the show. Things people under 30 have no idea about. Yeah, and, I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, so, Adrian, you've not heard of the Waltons before. Uh, Giovanni, uh, have you heard of the Waltons I've before? I've definitely heard of them, but I've, I've never seen them. Never so. seen them. And, and Leah, you've heard but not seen. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Alan, I, I'm feeling old at this point. Uh, now, I do remember <laughs> one episode of the Waltons. I used to, grew up watching the Waltons. Very uh, wholesome show, for sure. And I remember one episode where I think there was the mother, she had some sort of conversion experience, and they went to a sunrise church service. Was that at Christmas time? I don't recall, but it might have been. Do you remember, Alan? I, I don't remember. I cannot say that I was a really good, avid watcher of the Waltons, but uh, during the summer I started watching some episodes, which are on an HD channel. Mm. And, uh, but there was an episode, I do remember, it was about uh, nuns. Now, they were Protestant, but they had nuns that came to stay at their house. And so it was kind of Protestantism meets Catholicism. Mm. And so they were kind of exposed uh, to that or whatever. And that, now, was, that was, I think, towards the tail end of the show, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Do you remember yeah. Little House on the Prairie? I think it was first season. They had that Christmas born, in the cabin yes. on the plains. Yes. Yes, I watched that series. That that was my series that I watched mm-hmm. a lot of in the seventies, and my mom would watch it. Dirt floor, uh, by the way. There was no yes, floor to that one. cabin. Yeah. yeah, it was a good one. You've heard of Little House in the Prairie, then, of course, Leah. of course. I read so all the books the as a child. Maybe I don't know, but Little House, yes. Uh, what's the somehow? Yeah. I don't understand. It seems like they would go hand in glove. That one, Waltons and I guess no? so my uh, my mom tells me that I I learned how to give people hugs from watching the Waltons. Is that right? Oh, As a little oh, kid. No. Interesting. Right. <laughs> Alan, you were mentioning another favorite Christmas film or show. What was that? It was called The House Without a Christmas Tree, and they would sometimes show it every year. And it was the late Jason Robards. His mother was played by the late Mildred Nat- Natwick. And I can't remember who the, the, the child was. 
And um, what it was is he, uh, he was a widower. His wife had given birth to the baby. Addie was her name, Adelaide, but they called her Addie. And um, he wouldn't allow his he wouldn't allow her to have a, have a Christmas tree because it reminded him of his, of his late wife. And ultimately there was a lot of conflict going on. Now this was after the war and this was, I think in Nebraska somewhere. So they shot it, you know, in some location, you know, where there was a lot of snow. Mm. And, um, I just remember that it was kind of, man, I'm thinking about this. It really was kind of upsetting seeing this guy mm. kind of there. He was not a drinker or anything like that, but he just, he would fly into these rages. Mm. And I know that the actor was a recovering alcoholic, but when he got mad, Jason Robarts in a role, when he got mad, he really could get mad. And I remember my mother watching that with him and said, he's, he's a recovering alcoholic. Wow. When he did that, when, you know, but he's, you know, I think he died. He was still, he was sober. But um, that's another thing. The two the two actors uh, in the, the principals in the Waltons mm. were recovering alcoholics, Ralph Waite and Michael Lernan. They were also recovering alcoholics, and I think they kind of um, credit the show with kind of getting them off the bottle. You know, it's, it's yeah. kind of depressing now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, but it's, it's important, and I, I'm glad you brought it up. But I was just thinking while you were saying that, like, nobody mentioned Charlie Brown's Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, how about the uh, Abominable Snowman? That was a classic. Oh, we definitely watch uh, Rudolph and Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Yeah. And, yeah. But those sometimes, I'm telling you, like, the first time I watched It's a Wonderful Life, I was like, this is a terrible movie. <laughs> it's Ter- really depressing at first. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I was thinking uh, whenever Alan was talking about how we should really be praying for so many people during the Christmas season mm-hmm. who right. are experiencing loneliness, who are not like the Christmas yes. season is very hard for a lot of people. Uh, so I, I'm glad that you brought that up because yeah, that's definitely something we should be praying about. We are so grateful. I'm so grateful that I have my family at home and I am just so blessed uh, with a blessed Christmas. Uh, but so many people are not having that uh, same experience and we should be praying especially for them. this year, especially this yeah. year. Amen. I'm well, thinking of a story. I'm thinking you got of about a, a minute. Alan, you got about a minute. Okay. I'm thinking of a story of my parents. I think they were first married at a midnight mass, I believe. St. Patrick's Church, New Orleans, Louisiana. Mm. And I think they might have been first married. And how the priest was talking about Christmases are not of Christmas past. However, we know that the birth of the Savior is there. That's really what's his theme. Amen. My mother said that the man sitting next to him, he just cried throughout the whole thing. And he reeked. He reeked the booze. Yeah, he reeked the booze. Well, let's we don't pray. Know what happened? We're we out of time, know. Alan. I'm so sorry, but yeah. uh, God love you. God bless you. And Merry Christmas, Alan. Thanks for being a part of our show today. Merry Christmas. Merry All right. Christmas. Praise be to Jesus. That's going to do it for Catholic Drive Time for uh, for this week. Actually, no show tomorrow. No show on Friday. We'll be back on the fourth day of Christmas on Monday with a brand new opportunity and a show. In fact, coming up next week, we're going to have some great guests. We're going to have uh, Bishop Strickland on the program next week, Timothy Flanders and others all coming up in our uh, programming next week. So be sure to tune back in Monday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern for Catholic Drive Time. I want to thank uh, Emily for being back, but she's on vacation now, and, and Leah for standing in for her today. God love you. God bless you. Thanks for being a part of our program. And uh, Adrian Fonseca for producing, and all of you for listening and being a part of the Guadalupe Radio Network family. We join Stations of the Cross 
when we come back in January. We're looking forward to that. More next week. Thank God you Mary. for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.